Dear fellow redeemed, we consider especially our gospel reading from the gospel of Matthew chapter 3. And as we begin, you think of the questions that various people asked, beginning especially in our readings during Advent and through Christmas and now to Epiphany. Questions such as when Zechariah is inside the temple and the angel Gabriel comes and says, you're going to have a baby. And Zechariah scoffs, <laughs> how is this going to happen? Or the question that, that Mary asked of a somewhat different character. I am the Lord's servant, but how may this be since I am not married? The questions that, that the people asked, such as the, the shepherds wondering, and the angel a- answered without them even asking. You will find the baby if you look for one who is wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger. The question that the Magi came, and they asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We have come to worship him. And the question today that John the Baptist asks, perhaps the most perceptive of all, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? The question, because this baptism... This baptism that John was doing, it's the exact same baptism that we have today. Just that at that time, the baptism was for those who had already been instructed in the faith. And for those who were um, being baptized for repentance. To prepare the way for the Lord. To prepare their hearts for the Lord. And so John called them to repentance. And as they gathered there at the Jordan River... God worked repentance through that water of baptism. And then Jesus comes. And John is certainly aware of him. John knows who he is. We don't know how how much they had known each other, perhaps growing up. They were relatives in, in some way, shape, or degree. But we don't know how closely they knew each other. But certainly John knew of him. The one that he would point at nearly nearly a day or two later, look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, and Jesus comes to John and says, I'm here to be baptized. In this long line of people, long line of people who are finally aware of, of their sin and finally aware that God himself was providing a remedy, a long line of people that even included the Pharisees and the scribes who were wondering, what is this John guy doing out there? He's a little crazy, and we need to hear what he has to say. And among all those people shuffling along, waiting their turn to be baptized there in the Jordan River, there stands Jesus. He is completely different in kind. Yes, he's completely human, fully man, just like you or I. But he's different. And John testifies to that. He says, I need to be baptized by you. Jesus, you're not here. You shouldn't be here standing with sinful people to be baptized. Because after 30 years of experience on this earth, that Jesus was still um, without sin. He was still perfectly clean and holy in God's eyes. And John knew that. And John testifies to that so that, so that we see and we hear that this baptism is, is of a different kind. That the baptism is the same. But when Jesus stands there, he stands there for a different reason. I need to be, I need to be baptized by you, and yet 
you come to me. It's a different question than his father had asked, how will this be? It's a different question than, um, than even Mary had asked, wondering. Wondering in faith, how will God carry this out? It's a different question than the shepherds wondered, where shall we find this baby? And a question that is different than the Magi asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Because with this question, John shows us that he knows exactly who Jesus is. And he knows exactly the problem that he himself has. And he wonders, Jesus, why are you coming to be baptized? Jesus, you are the one who who never had a, a thought that lingered. You never had an unclean thought at all. Jesus, you are the one who never responded angrily. Jesus, you are the one who always kept every element of God's law, both in heart and soul and mind. Jesus, you are the one who looked at people and treated people with the sort of love that God intended. Jesus, you alone are the one who feared, loved, and trusted God above all things. Jesus, the one in whom all things hold together and through whom all things were made, even bowed his head and walked home with his parents and was lived obediently to them throughout his entire childhood. I need to be baptized by you. And how true, how true that that is our confession as well. Lord Jesus, why? Why are you standing here? Why are you standing here at the Jordan River with me? Jesus, why are you standing here as one who needs to be washed because you're the one who's clean and you're the one who gives cleanliness? I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. And with that question, you can certainly sympathize with John. And you can certainly stand there and confess with John, Lord, get away from me. I am a sinful man. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, I need to be baptized by you. I know that nothing good lives within me that is in my sinful nature, in my sinful flesh. I know that I cannot come into God's presence on my own merit. I know that on the basis of what I have done and left undone, you should cast me away from your presence forever. Lord, I confess to you that I am a sinful person. And that question, it's the sort of question that would be very easy to skip over. Or just say, well, okay, it's a simple question, and Jesus gives a simple answer, and then he was baptized, and it's only a reading that is um, four or five verses long. What value is there in these verses for us? That Jesus did come to be baptized. That the waters of baptism where he stood, whether the Jordan River was at flood stage and um, and they could only wade out a few feet, or whether it was more at a, a drought level and it was only ankle deep. That there in the Jordan River, the water of his baptism became your baptism. That there in the Jordan River, the water of his baptism gave power and life to your baptism. That there at the Jordan River, The water that trickled off of his head is the same water, the same exact same stuff. There's nothing special about the Jordan River, but it's the same water connected to the blessings from the same God that were poured over you at your baptism. 
And in your baptism, where you were, you were buried with Christ and you were raised with Christ, and that this one who, um, who did this in order to fulfill all righteousness, as he said, that he did this to really sanctify, set apart, and make your baptism worthwhile. And give your baptism its power. So that you can know, you can know that our God isn't so far off and removed and detached from my everyday life, but my God joined me in my sin, and yet he was without sin. That my God joined me in my sin, and he gave his promise to this baptism, to this water, where his promise is that he continues to work through that baptism, that one time it happened, even if it was a long time ago, that that baptism is where God marked you as his own redeemed child. That that baptism is where he clothed you, not just with the washing away of sin, but the giving of the righteousness that Jesus fulfilled. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And when Jesus says that, he's really talking about keeping all of God's law so that he can give that positive gift of his righteousness to you and to me. Not just the taking away of sin and the washing away of sin, but the giving of new life and salvation, the giving of the forgiveness of sins, attached as a specific promise to the very simple thing as, as water. I mean, you look around and it's, it's nearly everywhere. We need water to live. It falls from the sky. And yet God says, when this water is used, when this water is used in connection with his word, there he gives a spiritual blessing and a spiritual benefit that goes far beyond, far beyond what we can perceive and far beyond what we even know in this life. That there in baptism, he has promised that all of his righteousness has been pronounced over you. So that even as you go out today and the rest of your life, uh, whether it's storm clouds or a bright blue sky above, you can know that the heaven in which we live and which is stretched out over us isn't simply the blue sky and the jet stream, but the heaven under which we live is the pronouncement of righteous in Christ. The heaven in which we carry out each of our everyday tasks as, um, as we go about our day is God's pronouncement of, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. Because in the water of baptism, what God said about his son is now applied to you. And that's true, no matter how you feel about it. That's true because that is God's promise about this baptism. That's true because your standing with God doesn't depend on how you feel about it or, or how you don't feel about it at the moment. Your standing with God is dependent upon the promise that God has attached to this literal water. That your standing with God and God's favor toward you is something that is free and, yes, complete in baptism. And what does that mean? That in baptism, as with everything else that we do here, like on a Sunday morning, the announcement of the forgiveness of sins, of gathering together around the Lord's table, that God gives more gifts. It's the same gift coming from the same Christ, but gifts that play out in different ways, such as the gift of fellowship as we gather around the Lord's table together and you can look and, and see that these people are joined in, together in faith with me. Such as the gift of certainty 
to the, the family who has a young child baptized at that font, a young child who is perhaps only days old, and yet the certainty that God has fulfilled his promise and kept his promise again, that the Jesus who fulfilled all righteousness has applied that righteousness to that child. To think of the blessings that God has given to you and to me, that he really means he's given some, some meaning and some purpose to your life and mine. That we don't measure our lives on the basis of what we accomplish or what we don't. We don't measure our lives on the basis of, um, of where things went poorly or where they went well. We measure our lives on the basis of what actually is my life. My life is, number one, living under this canopy of God's grace. And number two, the people and the activities that my God has given to me are things that he has chosen out for me specifically to live my life in a way that glorifies him. And he fills in and completes and makes perfect all of your work. So that he even rejoices, as we talked about in, um, I think, our Friday afternoon Bible class a couple weeks ago, that he even rejoices and promises to rejoice at the end of time over the tiniest little things, such as giving somebody a cold water or a cold glass of water to drink, of visiting those who are sick or in prison. And all under this canopy of grace, all through the holy baptism which Jesus gave to you and through which he still wants to work, because this Jesus has fulfilled all righteousness. So what do we do with the questions? I mean, that's where we kind of started. And it would be simple enough to say, well, the, the questions are all answered in Jesus. Amen. But there's more to it than that. That you and I know that the answers are found there in Jesus, that the answer to each of our questions and each of our worries can be answered in the wounds and the resurrection of Jesus. But you notice that, that God doesn't dismiss those questions. He even welcomes them. Whether it is a question that is um, arrogant like Zechariah, he gives Zechariah an extra you know, 10, 11 months of, uh, of a time of grace where Zechariah can't talk and he comes to repentance and when God gives him the ability to talk again that Zechariah had said his name is John. You remember that? That the question of the Magi, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews, answered in scripture as they found this Jesus. That the question from John, I need to be baptized by you and yet you come to me, answered yes in the baptism of Jesus. But also for God's people today who live under the canopy of God's grace, of God's favor, and through whom God still wants to work whether it's doing the simple everyday things of our daily tasks or working together in fellowship to share his word with others. Now, one of the things that we'll talk about in a few weeks, and I want to talk about a little bit today, is um, coming up at the beginning of February, our Q&A Sunday, Question and Answer Sunday. And I've had a couple of questions about that already, which is good, as well as questions that people have submitted. But the main question is, um, is, Pastor, why are we doing this? And then, Pastor, what is this? Q&A Sunday. Well, the what is it is, is fairly simple, that we'll replace the sermon and as much of the rest of the service with as many questions as, as we get, that I'll organize them kind of ahead of time, and then uh, we'll talk through them and 
there will be a little bit of you know, crowd participation to a greater or lesser degree, whatever you're comfortable with, that that's what it is, where we, we have this confidence in the Word of God, that we don't need to be defensive about what we believe, but we can look at these questions. We can look at these questions and discuss them seriously as serious questions. So that you and I can know not only what we do or what we believe, but why. And that we can discuss these questions, even if it is the arrogant question of Zechariah or just the wondering question of Mary, that we can discuss these questions with all the certainty in the world. That no question is going to overthrow, um, overthrow what our Lord has done. That even the arrogant question of the atheist isn't going to rebury Jesus. Like he's risen from the dead. There's no reason to, to shirk away from these things. So that's kind of what the Q&A Sunday is, where we take the time to replace the sermon, and I'll probably put the questions up on a projector so we'll be able to follow along and discuss them together a little bit. But why? Pastor, isn't this a little bit better suited to, to Bible class or maybe small groups or maybe a podcast or maybe a blog post or a YouTube video? Well, yeah, sure. But the big idea here is that if we want to be able to provide a clear witness to those that we care about, and if we want to be able to provide a clear witness to those whose names we don't yet know, then we need to make sure that the place where we worship isn't just, here's what you do, and don't ask questions. To a greater or lesser degree, perhaps, that reflects the church where you grew up because you grew up at a different time. Not that it was necessarily right or wrong. <laughs> but the purpose is that today, we want to be able to have an atmosphere, a church atmosphere, where if you have a question on your mind, you can not only discuss it with your pastor, but you can also even... If your children have a question on their mind, they can bring it to you. And they can even express some doubt or some wonder. Okay, I don't, I don't see what God does in baptism there. Why do we baptize? Maybe it's the, the friend. Well, we baptize when you're a little bit older, when you can actually make a decision for yourself. Why do you baptize babies? And it's so easy to, to pull into ourselves and say, well, that's what we do. And it's you know, how I was brought up and you know, different faith traditions for different folks. But it's so much better to be able to provide a clear confession of faith. Uh, yes, a, a confession that, that understands that person's emotions or where they're coming from. But a clear confession of faith that says, well, this is what our Lord has, has promised. And this is what our Lord has promised to give in holy baptism. And by hosting a question and answer Sunday, the primary reason isn't the questions and the answers. The primary reason is to re-repeat, I guess that's the word, is to repeat the truth that this is a place where we can talk about God's word and where we can bring our questions so that we have an atmosphere that is open to questions. I don't care if it's um, a question that you, know, you think was covered in fifth grade catechism or a question that's been on your mind for 20 years, but that when we talk about um, longevity in the faith, like the number one reason or the number one way to keep children involved in the faith as they grow is 
them being able to express their questions to their parents and have that question treated as a legitimate question. I mean, that's just the research. You can you know, take it or leave it. But biblically, the number one thing is to point Christians back again to the confidence we have in the Word of God. And if by hosting a question and answer Sunday, then we reassert that, yes, this is a place where you can talk about doubt and bring your questions, then sure, we'll do it every year. And then the secondary reason, of course, is to discuss some of the things that we might not um, that we might not have time for or that might not come up regularly. Um, have a couple questions already about you know, making end-of-life decisions and, and that sort of a thing, which are, are a lot of questions that have begun to multiply as, for instance, medical technology has progressed. That throughout the history of God's church, the questions of how do we apply God's truth and make a clear confession of our faith are questions that just continue to grow and become more challenging. But they provide an excellent opportunity for a clear witness. That's exactly what John did here with his question, I need to be baptized by you and yet you come to me. The question that was on his mind and was on our minds also, Jesus, why are you coming to be baptized when you are the one who alone is righteous and holy? And the answer, Jesus doesn't dismiss his question he says, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, that he wants to bless his people through this baptism, that he wants to give certainty to his church through this baptism, that he wants to still provide blessings to his people through his work. Amen.